Welcome into the Buff Stampede Basketball Podcast, coming to you after the Colorado Buffaloes just lost the Tennessee Volunteers 56-47. They were the 12th ranked Tennessee Volunteers in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, it was quite a fun game to watch. Not. Um, the uh, Buffs and Vols played some ugly, ugly tad ball. I wanted a hat. Sorry. Um, you ever seen yeah. somebody do an intro while walking into the closet? <laughs> This is the most on-brand thing for me, by the way, uh, for the, the viewers on Facebook Live on the Buff Stampede. Like, I just walk away while talking. I think I was cooking during one of the podcasts that we didn't post the video for. Anyway, uh, to talk you through this podcast, he's Chase Howell. We've got Vinay Simlot as well. Hello. Um, we're mainly recapping this uh, Buffs-Tennessee game, but we're talking about kind of some of the stuff that went into it, COVID regulations, all that good stuff. Not really good stuff. Um, boys, what was your first thoughts <laughs> coming after this game and just watching this game as the buffs put up a pretty good fight despite not really forget having their best having it at all tonight it was i i'm not sure what the right word is to describe it. i used a moral word, victory yeah maybe maybe but it didn't feel like a victory either it was just more like okay well that game happened um they'll be able to take some things from that game but it, i didn't feel good about it i didn't feel uh, bad about it either it was just kind of it, it kind of went as expected maybe not that start was very expected but other than that that's kind of just how I expected that game to go uh yeah I, I agree you know I think Chase uh, or Jake you said this to us in our group text during the game but you learn a lot from playing Tennessee you learn where your holes are you've got a tough opponent you're not going to learn anything playing against mines and so I'm really glad that they got a good team on the roster, especially now that Washington State got canceled. And then the other thing, the other um, point I wanted to make is this is the first Washington time. Washington State? Don't you mean Arizona? Was that the Both. joke? Both. Because <laughs> Washington okay. State got good. canceled too. Whatever. Yeah, but that, yeah. Was the, well, that was the joke, right? Okay, it was a good joke. I was just making sure you did that on purpose. <laughs> Um, but this is the first time we've seen uh, Bartholomew back on the court after that first game. It's the first time we've seen Deshaun Schwartz on the court all season. So it was nice to see all these guys see where you can get some contributions. Didn't think either of them played that well, but either way, I mean, it was good to get them all back on the court and playing together in real competition. Yeah. Well, from, go ahead, Chase, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to... Uh, piggyback on his point about the players, but um, if if that's what we're where we're going to take this, Deshaun had a very interesting debut, and I think we should probably spend some significant time on this because I thought he looked fine. Like he had the confidence. Um, if you look at the plus minus, he was one of the better plus minus players on the team. So they played better when he was on the floor. He did not score. Said, he, he didn't hit, he didn't hit a single shot. So it, it's, I, I don't know what to feel about that. Deshaun Schwartz. So for me, if you look at the buffs today, we always talked about this last year, Chase, when we were covering them for buff stampede, um, it was always a problem with Deshaun Schwartz. Can he get to 10 points? That was the X factor. When he scored double digit points, the buffs won. If he had done that tonight, the buffs would have won. Now, the Buffs need more reliability out of Deshaun this year. He's probably their second best player or maybe second and a half best player. Um, or at tough least situation for him coming off of. Yeah, yeah. And, and a tough situation for him coming off of COVID. Understandable that he didn't look amazing tonight. But for me, the fact that Keyshawn Bartholomew was kind of an up and down mess didn't really surprise me because 
He's on the road. First real college basketball game on the road in Tennessee against number 12 um, with fans. You know, that K-State game, I guess it was on the road, but it was a neutral site game, but it was in Manhattan. Um, and then, you know, you had Maddox Daniels, who who also didn't do much. He was very quiet. So you had three players that are wing scores for the Buffs that you need to hit threes with Eli Parquet out of the lineup uh, and not playing. And they weren't able to space the floor. They weren't able to consistently and reliably handle the ball. And it really made things tough on McKinley Wright because not only was there not a secondary scoring option, but Tennessee's defense of just stopping McKinley worked because the Buffs didn't have any sort of spacing whatsoever because they couldn't shoot tonight. Well, I want to disagree with you on one point. I think Jariah Horn established himself as a secondary scoring option today. He had 15 points. He was four for eight shooting three for six from beyond the arc. I think he had a good game. I think he might've had the best game out of anyone on, on the roster. I know the plus minus doesn't say that he's a minus one. Um, The plus minus says Jabari Walker was the best player on the court right now with uh, seven points, I think today. And then um, Tristan De Silva was a plus one. So those were the only two positive players. And then Dominique Clifford with, was a plus two, but still, I think Jariah Horn had the and, best and, game offensively, especially. And Horn looked good. Horn looked yeah, good. Horn was did. the best player on either team tonight. Uh, he made a couple mistakes in there that were kind of painful, but you know, that's going to happen with a transfer, whether it's a grand tra- grad transfer or not. Uh, to me, the issue is again, Horn hit three threes. The buffs got two other threes from their entire team combined. They went two <laughs> for 18 on shots from three that weren't yeah. Jariah Horn. That's not spacing the floor. And we talked about this kind of on our preseason podcast. McKinley Wright is a guy that needs to get downhill into the lane. Any type of outside shooting he gets from himself is is a plus because he's a downhill slashing type point guard. And he doesn't have the ability to get downhill into the lane when there are no guys to hit threes. And couple that with the ability of the Buffs to have two big men on the floor, which is huge for them because they're an undersized team this year with Dallas Walton and Evan Batty. Both of those guys aren't going to space the floor necessarily. And Tennessee had two uh, senior forwards. So you just have kind of a problem of a really muddled lane. And it was all the things kind of recipe for disaster for McKinley Wright to have a bad game. And guess what? McKinley Wright had a bad game. But also, if McKinley Wright pulls it together for just five minutes in that game, the Buffs win and pull an upset on number 12 in the country. Yeah. Uh, in very Tennessee. Good point on that. Yeah. Uh, I, I still had hope towards the end of that game that maybe, okay, McKinley gets going and they're going to get right into this game. They, they might even be able to take the lead. Uh, I, I'm a little bit over starting Batty and Walton. Like I don't understand <laughs> why they want to do that. Like you just mentioned, it, it clogs the middle. Um, neither of those guys can space the floor for you. And I don't think it's helping McKinley right out at all when those two are out there on the floor together. Um, and, and neither of them have been good enough to really be starting right. I, I agree with you. I think you should start Jariah Horn in place of one yeah, of those I, two. I think Jariah proved tonight that he should be a starter on this team. And whether that's and to me, yeah. the, the only problem with Jariah, and, and this was the same problem with Dallas and Evan tonight, is if you look at Colorado's bigs, they had 10 turnovers combined which you just can't have out of three players that aren't even handling the basketball. Like that, that's pretty brutal to me. Um, and all of them are upperclassmen, but again, you're going into a tough gym. You're playing a really tough team, a really talented team with veterans on it as well. 
Um, you can kind of explain away some of this, but Chase, you kind of make this point, and I see someone on Facebook right now talking about how this kind of reminds them of last year. It's Shane. Um, Shane's always I, been hanging out with us on the football post games. Hey, well, Shane. thank you. Our guy. I, I, I wrote this in the Buff Stampede recap tonight. To me, one of the most important takeaways was the Buffs couldn't hit a shot to save their lives tonight. But they put their heads down, and they kept playing defense. When they did that last year, the whole game would derail. It was a five-point game until it turned into a free-throw shooting contest late. This was a game, and the Buffs couldn't hit a shot. And again, that did not translate into the way they played defense. Like, the Buffs fought their way through this game. And I don't want to call it a moral victory because I really don't think it's a moral victory. I think there are a lot of positives, but I'm ultimately pretty disappointed with the fact that they couldn't eke out this game despite playing tad ball and, and, and doing a lot of the things that the Buffs do well, well. I think Tennessee out tad balled tad and Colorado. <laughs> I mean, from the get-go, they were just they were, they were the best defensive team I think I've seen all season. And I think Colorado might see all season. I think they they were active on the boards besides that one possession where Colorado got the four offensive rebounds. Tennessee played tad ball better than Colorado did today is my hot take. No, yeah, I, I think they got a defensive lesson. And Tennessee yeah. has a lot of players that are like NBA caliber defenders. Um, and, and that's a big reason why they were able to slow Is down NBA McKinney. caliber defender a compliment? NBA... It, well, you know what I mean. Not a yeah, I know. yeah, I know. I know what you can mean. shut down NBA guys. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's kind of maybe what I was trying to say there. Um, but you mentioned rebounding, and I, I I'm surprised that CU out rebounded Tennessee. It didn't feel like that, and it must have just been because of Jariah Horn. Um, McKinley Wright ends up being second on the team in rebounding with seven rebounds as well. Walton and Batty combined for five. They're just not going to win many games um, if that happens. I, I honestly couldn't tell you what Evan Batty and Dallas Walton were doing on the floor tonight. They, they weren't beneficial. Like, and, and I love both those guys. Like, they're great dudes. But they just both had a bad night. And to me, I'm starting to worry about – I mean, Dallas has had moments – but I'm starting to worry about Evan Batty after three games because he's had three poor games. And I mentioned this on the last podcast and you guys talked me off this ledge of this take. If Evan might struggle with no fans and creating his own energy and stuff like that, there were fans tonight and Evan still struggled. And and that gym was kind of, that felt like an atmosphere, even on TV, you could tell a little bit. So uh, I don't know if that's necessarily the problem, but it just, it feels like something's kind of off with Evan. And I'm not sure if it's the system he's playing in and the players he's playing around or if it's, if it's something else. Uh, and, and I don't know if, if you guys are seeing it too. Yeah. He's just not doing anything for them right now. Rebounding, I, not playing very well defense, at least to start that game. Um, he picked it up as that game went on. There's just nothing that you can hang your hat on right now with Evan Batty. Um, that makes him look like a reliable player in these first three games. Offensively, he gets the ball on the block and it just doesn't seem like he knows exactly what he wants to do with it. There was one play um, where he scored, I was checking to see if it was his only bucket of the night. Um, and he was aggressive. He made a nice aggressive turn out of the post, went right to the hoop. Um, and that was the Evan Batty we got kind of used to last year. And we just haven't seen much of that at all. I, yeah, I'm I don't definitely starting to get worried. I don't want to see three-point shooting Evan Batty. I know he, he's been working on it. I think it, it's nice if you bring it out once or twice a season. But two times a game, I think it's too much 
for him to be shooting threes. And I think it's, it's your point, Jake, where I think the, the lane is just getting too clogged up, not enough movement on offense. Cause last year it was Tyler Bay and Evan Batty. Tyler Bay was very good at getting to the right spots. Evan Batty could pass it to him. He was good at cutting. He was good at moving in and out of the lane. He was basically moving from the elbows in and Evan Batty would be down on the block. This year, it's Dallas Walton who's down there with him. And that's why I think Jariah Horn and Evan Batty could be a better combination um, just because Evan's better at that facilitating. He's better at passing the ball, and that's what gets him into these games, I think, psychologically too. And I, I don't think he's had enough of that this season. Chase, you made this point. Uh, the Buffs did surrender 11 offensive rebounds, and I think that's why it didn't feel like the buffs out rebounded Tennessee. Um, but, but the real problem, and, and I, I kind of breeze past this is 23 turnovers. Like <laughs> it's just, you can't go on the road, let alone to number 12 in the country and win when there are 23 turnovers. And I want to be mad about McKinley, Wright Having 23 or, or five turnovers uh, and only four assists. But I honestly couldn't tell you where the passing lanes would have been for him tonight because the, the, I mean, he, he, again, we keep talking about this lane being shut down. Everything McKinley Wright does on a basketball court is predicated on the things his teammates need to do. And his teammates couldn't do that tonight. And I think the trust, again, this didn't happen on defense, which I'm really um, stoked about for this team because it's a really positive sign. But the fact that that trust dissolved so quickly on offense and guys just started trying to make hero plays that was pretty disconcerting to watch. And in just talking with Tad Boyle after the game and, and some of the things he had to say, you know, you know, he talked about this being an atrocious, atrocious offensive performance, how he's disappointed in himself and the team. Uh, the fact that he has such good players is kind of why they all want to take over the game, which is a good thing in a way because they all have confidence and they all believe that they can impact the game. But in the same sense, they've got to come together on a team as a team and I think we saw tonight that on offense, at least, the Buffs are really far away from being what they need to be, which is kind of the exact opposite of what we talked about after the South Dakota game where we were talking about how the offense was so far ahead of the defense. The defense looked great. The offense looked like a train wreck tonight. and It looked like guys haven't been passing and throwing with the ball to each other and doing all the teamwork stuff because guess what? It's pretty hard to be around people and do teamwork <laughs> stuff right now because we're in a pandemic. And you've got uh, a couple players on your team that tested positive. So you don't want to do these big team activities. And I, I, I think you, your point is a great one. I mean, I saw one play where Keyshawn Bartholomew had the ball and Tristan Da Silva was open and he didn't pass it to Da Silva because you saw what Da Silva did on the previous play, which was turn it over. So you're seeing that guys don't trust each other. And I don't think he had, I think he had a reason not to trust Tristan De Silva. I mean, the guy looked lost out there. Yeah. It, he got a lot of minutes in that first game against South Dakota. I'm not quite sure um, what dad has seen him as a, has a good reason to be giving him a lot of minutes. He got the I, minutes I that Jabari Walker should have had in that second half. Ends up playing a little under 10 minutes tonight, which is just way too low for how good he's been um, yeah. in those first two games. I'm not sure the exact reason. My my assumption is that Tad didn't think that he could match up well with their big men um, just because they're a lot bigger and stronger than Jabari is. Um, that, that could be the only explanation for me, but that shouldn't matter really in a 2-3 zone because Jabari would be out on the wing. 
you know, one of the things I took away from this and, and uh, looked at with you guys talking about the rotation stuff is the buffs clearly don't have the rotations and their sub patterns and their lineups down yet. And it's been impossible for Tad, as we talked about with some of his COVID issues, but Jabari Walker needs to be part of that lineup. And to me, it became clear that Jabari Walker was eating a lot of the Deshaun Schwartz minutes tonight because Deshaun came back. Um, but the buffs need to find a way to get Jabari Walker into the lineup and on the floor at the same time as Deshaun Schwartz. Um, and again, I, I don't want to criticize Deshaun Schwartz off tonight, but Deshaun Schwartz does need to be better. He's a senior and, uh, you know, it's going to take him maybe a game or two to get into rhythm. Uh, and, but it, it, it just, it's just, and, and I know he talked about being more aggressive this off season. At least he took five shots when he, it wasn't his night. Like that's kind of a weird positive, but like, it's true. Cause sometimes he'd disappear. He didn't really disappear when he was on the floor. He was still trying to be aggressive at times. It just didn't go his way. And the, that's kind of the difference for me um, in just judging Schwartz's performances is when he is really bad, it feels like he wasn't even on the floor. And tonight you could tell when he was on the floor, he was trying to make something happen offensively. And they played a lot better offensively when he was on the floor. When he came in in that first half, that's a big reason why they were able to go on that run and get back into the game. So he was still doing good things, um, but obviously he, he needs to score the basketball. That's That's what his bread and butter is. And the one thing about um, about Deshaun Schwartz is that he's coming off of COVID. I mean, he said he had mild symptoms. Have you ever tried to play basketball or exert at all after having a cold or the flu? I mean, it's not easy. So I expect his time goes time. down. Yeah, well, he's Michael Jordan. <laughs> I saw some refs have their flu game tonight. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not go there. <laughs> You know, I was actually surprised Tad didn't even say anything about the refs. I mean, they, they I, weren't I thought bad. It was pretty fair. I mean, I don't know why everyone was freaking out. It, they were fine. You expect two to three missed calls a game. They made two to three missed calls. It's fine. A few more than, than two to three, but it, it, I thought it was both sides. I thought they were bad both ways. I didn't. Mind I, think, I think they nailed all of their block charge calls. I think they were they were they were on top of that. I think they, um, yeah. There were a couple of out of bounds calls. There was obviously that call where uh, the Tennessee guy had his eye bleeding, um, where the referee thought that CU had fouled him, and they went to review and they realized that his own player fouled him. But uh, yeah, I, I think other than the that's gotta that's gotta suck as a ref, oh by the God. way. Like, and and I know it, it, the the like you know you messed up, and I've been as an official, I've been an umpire for years and years like there's nothing worse than getting it wrong so going to the replay and watching it be wrong yeah. time and time again and knowing <laughs> there's literally nothing procedurally you can do to correct it it's gotta suck and like we're we're instructed to not do makeup calls and, and like they kind of happen sometimes but like you really don't want to do makeup calls so it's just like man like i blew it like at least i can admit it like there's nothing you can do and it sucks like i feel feel bad for the guys but like meanwhile the sec network is out here talking about how the masks yeah, are preventing good yeah. calls from the rest i'm like what are you talking well, about the, the other thing the guy was like the guy was like oh they uh looks like he got hit hard by a colorado good for them going to look over it and then they go and look at it and the announcers do not say a word when they see the replay not a word I mean, those guys really, really bugged me. They were obviously calling the game on a Tennessee. They're both from Tennessee, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. I'm not going to criticize announcers. Yeah. 
I just well, did, but yeah. I won't anymore. And the other part about that color guy is he, he was very opinionated about the officiating and it seemed like yeah. every call that went against Tennessee was a bad call. He's like, oh, that is not a charge. Was- I don't know in what world, blah, blah. You know, it's that is not a foul. That's the one he was where he said he was still moving his feet. Here's a, here's a public service announcement for everyone watching or listening. You can move your feet and take a charge as long as you're legal. You only need to establish legal guarding position with two feet on the ground. After you establish it, you can move back. You can move laterally and take a charge. That's the rule. Just so everyone knows. Okay. So any (laughs) closing thoughts on this game? I'm not, I'm not sitting here talking about refs. I'm just, I'm not, I hate doing the ref thing. Oh, you know what we forgot to mention? Cause we went straight into the game. It was really cool the way this game got together. Chase and I, and I guess Finney, it materialized. We, we yeah. all got to know it, it materialized really quick. And it, it, you talk about the relationship between Kim and Nate materializing over such a long period of time playing against each other in the big 12, uh, Nate for Colorado, obviously, and uh, Kim for Mizzou. And then them maintaining their friendships as they both play different pro careers and then come back and they both work under Tad Boyle. Uh, obviously, all three of us have had relationships with both of them. I both, Two of my favorite people in all of sports, let alone basketball, like two great dudes. Um, it's really cool the way this came about where it literally seems like if I were texting Chase about both of us having intramural teams and we weren't <laughs> on each other's schedules and I'm just like – and I'm just sitting there like, you won't take us on. You won't. And then both of our schedules clear up. And it's like, all right, I guess we challenged each other. Like, it seems like that was a really cool thing. And, and, and just talking with Tad about his relationship with Rick Barnes, it really felt, you know, it was a warm story about the underbelly of college basketball, which doesn't really happen. <laughs> yeah. When was the last time you heard a warm story about the underbelly of college basketball? <laughs> Never. Yeah. Um, no, I, I'm excited that this is not just a one-off thing. I'm excited that there's going to be two more games after this. And obviously Tennessee will have to come to Boulder next year. It'll be sold out. And more importantly, Chase Hall and Jake Shapiro are going to go to that, Nashville. Uh, there it is. <laughs> Let's go. Are we going to go tear up Nashville and uh, talk some smack to the uh, Tennessee fans that litter that place. Um, but probably the best <laughs> nightlife outside of vegas i the music say. city we almost we almost didn't make it out of vegas case i don't know if we should go to nashville i think we should go to nashville for sure i i think you want me in nashville for sure yeah. um but yeah no like this is this a really good matchup for colorado and you were already texting me this week chase you're like man buffs are gonna have ku and tennessee on the schedule next year in boulder amazing yeah, it's going to be a great home. I know they usually have one marquee non-con game, but I don't remember two big-time non-conference games at home on the same in the same year. Uh, maybe the year they played. Didn't they play Auburn and Xavier the same year? And the Auburn game was the part of the 12-hour marathon, the 24-hour marathon. I want to say that happened the same but, year. It might have not. Yeah, yeah maybe in uh, 20 – that would have been 2015-16 season. I think that was 14, 15, 15, but yeah, that's possible. But this will be, I mean, obviously Kansas is always a big deal. And now that there's this little thing with Tennessee, I think that'll make it even better. Uh, So that's a really good job by Colorado staff. Um, And it's going to be really tough non-conference game playing in Nashville in two years. 
But you look at what the Buffs have coming in. That class will be sophomores. The guys that are freshmen now will be juniors. The Buffs will be a pretty experienced team, and that's going to be a really important and big game for them. I also think it's going to be really cool for the freshman class next year and the sophomore class next year to have that game in Boulder because that's probably going to be one of their first big games if it happens before Kansas and they get to feel that atmosphere. Uh, so it's, it's really nice. And one of the things I like Tad saying before this game, just lead up is like we get to a new part of the country and go kind of show who we are and what we're about. Uh, the Buffs just pulled a kid from D.C. That was their top recruit. The Buffs touring the country, as stupid as it sounds, only being in a location for two hours of TV time, it still matters. Like it matters to the kids that are going to, you know, if, if they're from D.C. or if they're, you know, it's the same thing we talk about in football. It's the kids from Texas going to see you because they know a and is going to be on their schedule once or twice while they're going here. You know, it, it's something that actually does have an impact. As as little and minute, uh, minute as yeah, that I think sound. I think we see it all the time uh, in football. In I think it's important to play an SEC team too. They they never. Um, it feels like I know you mentioned Auburn, but it feels like they rarely play an SEC team, and, and it's always. That was the last time they played an SEC game, uh, SEC team in basketball. It, it was that that Auburn game, and the, historically speaking, the real only SEC team they Jesus the only SEC team they played has been Missouri who was not yeah, in the so SEC. It's always great to get in the South. And obviously I think that just brings more attention uh, for recruiting and should help them. It seems like they want to recruit nationally. They want to get out there and, and spread that brand name. Vinay, I was what just were you plugging doing? my computer in. Yeah. Just, just making sure it's charged. Sure. Um, I agree. I think it's good to get all these guys see in Colorado um, I don't know how many people out West have the SEC Network Plus um, on their channel lineup, but I'm sure there are people in Tennessee who do. Probably more than have Pac-12 Pac Network. network. <laughs> you know what? It was a lot easier. I, it was I don't a lot easier either. for me to watch the SEC Network Plus than it was to watch the Pac-12 Network, which really bugs me. Me, Yeah, me as well. I, I use the ESPN app all the time, so it really didn't Yeah. Didn't, my whole thing. So the one last thing I want to talk about too, before we, we get out of here, uh, well, there's two things is one, what's going on around the country with all these non-conference games. And we talked about on the last pod, which is everyone wanting to schedule everyone this year. Cause there's really no harm in doing it and putting college basketball on a good stage is such a good thing. I love that Tad one. We talked about how much it was cool for him to get mines and Tad's <laughs> respect for Colorado basketball and mines. Um, wouldn't be surprised if the buffs put another game on the schedule coming up in this next week, the way scheduling has been working and even might be mines. I have no idea. Um, Tad said he's going to do everything in his power to get his, his team 27 games this year. So, uh, I'm not sure how ma- how many are on the schedule right now. I-, I think they might be missing one, but I'm not exactly sure now. Uh, I have to do that math. Like I said, I just watched the Tennessee game. I'm all into that game right now. Uh, but they have Northern Colorado and Nebraska Omaha next week at home before they head to Vegas where they're going to play uh, Washington and Grand Canyon. That trip could potentially be extended the way things have been happening across college basketball. That's another opportunity to get those games in. But it's very weird to be sitting here on December 8th with the Buffs having not played a single home game yet. Yeah, and I, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter since we can't go to the games. Any, but it, it has to ha- have something to do with 
these guys' confidence. Because I think playing in your own gym and watching your shots go through the hoop that you always get to see every single day, I think that makes a pretty big difference when it comes to shooting. And uh, and just playing a game there, I think, would have helped the, their confidence, at least putting up big points, putting up 100 points on school of mines might have helped their confidence. They wouldn't learn anything, but it might help their confidence. Yeah. Don't learn anything, you know. That was, yeah. Well, you're stealing my, that was my point from the group chat. You're just stealing my points in the group chat about how I want to play kindergartners <laughs> and kickball and just beat them the hell That's up. That's what I do on these podcasts. I just like read our, but your yeah, points. Hey, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've noticed just, a lot of everybody's points have been, have been coming out of different mouths there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, have hey. I stolen a take? Have I stolen a take? <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. But hey, uh, can, I, can I give you my hot right. take, though? I, I, I think I said this before we got on this podcast. Eli Parquet was out. I don't think they would have won if he was playing anyway. <laughs> it, it's just so dumb. It might not even be worth addressing. <laughs> well, but Chase, I ahead. mean, they, they probably still lose that game. But Eli <laughs> Parquet helps this basketball team, especially when we talk about spreading the floor offensively and his ability to shoot the three-point shot and and how he is and and looking at who. Yeah, and looking at who ate those minutes up and how they played in those minutes and the poor decisions that they made. Yeah, you mentioned Tristan Silva earlier. Uh, you know who, between who a couple of those guys wouldn't have played if Eli Parquet played? Who? Tristan De Silva? Yeah. Uh, well, well, Nick Clifford probably wouldn't he have played did. either. And Nick yeah, Clifford he gave some yeah. positive minutes, minutes, actually. Shout out to Nick. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. I would have so, been I would have been happy. Yeah, that, that was the two positives from this game. Were I would have been happy Horn. if Clifford had played. And not um, and not Tristan da Silva, but we already talked about that. Um, Eli is not like a prolific three point shooter. He's like a what is he a thirty two percent three point shooter, which is better than anyone the Buffs have right now, I guess. Besides Jariah Horn, exactly. They shot twenty two percent from the as a team, and it was only Horn yeah. making multiple shots. Okay, so there you go. Well, I guess I I don't know his percentage. Have you been, and have you been watching any of these games across college basketball? I watched Kentucky and Kansas throw up enough bricks to build an entire development. Yeah, three-point shooting is just really, really bad right now. Is that because they just haven't been able to get into gyms? I mean, I guess they were open for the most part. But. Gyms are closed around the country. I mean, Jalen Sherrod, I know she was working out at her gym think- in Birmingham, Alabama, but not many of our players live in <laughs> Birmingham, Alabama, where gyms would be open. All right, where what was the final? I think on it's the game tied tonight? up 83, um, 83 right now. Did, uh, Buffs did you get the Brian Holloway stuff from our buddy over there? 84 83 lead. Pioneers win 85 84. Brian at the game with three seconds left. Same. Yeah, Brian's there. I think. Uh, I don't know how else he'd be watching. I might be on uh, back I don't think network, I guess. I was trying I to find that early. Uh, Buffs. Buffs might be getting a win they on lost. the women's basketball side. Uh, they are no longer undefeated. <laughs> um, well, the Buffs are no longer undefeated in men's basketball. That is for certain. Uh, they are undefeated in football. And you can listen to these two, Chase Hall and Vinay Simlon, <laughs> on the Buffs Stampede Football Podcast, which will happen 
Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, they lost it to you. At home. No, it was at uh, DU, I, I thought. It was at DU, yeah. We'll it was at DU. Was yeah. it at DU? Okay. Yeah, I told you. What did I tell you, Chase? 45 minutes on a bus. Yeah. That that Magnus Arena, man. Tough, right, to play, tough place to play. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, thanks for ruining my transition. I was going to say that you guys are on the Buff Stampede Football Podcast that you can listen to yeah, Friday, no, just, but I'm not going to say any of that. Before and after the game, you guys ruined my transition. So he's Chase. He's Chase Howe. He's been a Simlot. You can watch it on Facebook too. Uh, thanks for listening to Buff Stampede basketball podcast uh you can get this wherever you listen to stuff which is a lot of places now so it's not even worth listing um and of course subscribe to our board uh, you know our inside the herd stuff is really good like it does better coverage of cu sometimes than me uh like chase's flight tracker for instance uh and uh thank you for tuning in maybe we'll do facebook live again who knows and we will talk to you very very soon